Welcome to Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. This is Launchpad. Welcome to everybody. On behalf of Mary Helen Sheriff, the author marketing coach, myself, Grace Salmon, and the Bookish Road Trip, we're so glad that you're here. This episode is episode number 13 with Susan Cole, Lisa Franco, Patty Procopi, and Rebecca Rosenberg. This episode is being recorded live in front of an audience, so please feel free to leave comments, ask questions in the chat. We'd love to get to every single one of them. And this episode, we have memoir, stumbled on lost love letters, family tragedy and dysfunction, and glorious women of the champagne industry. Please join these glorious authors and learn about their tales and find your next great book. I want to mention Susan Cole, who hopefully will be joining us later. She has written an amazing memoir called Holding Fast, a memoir of sailing, love, and loss, followed by Lisa Franco and her historical nonfiction, My Dearest Darling, Letters of Love in Wartime, Patty Procopi with her family fiction, Please Tell Me More, and Rebecca Rosenberg's historical fiction, all about the Champagne Widows and Madame Pomeray. Welcome to each of you, and thank you for being here on Launchpad. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Lisa, let's start with you and your fascinatingly found, if you will, uh, nonfiction. Well, it, it's my dearest darling, as you mentioned, Letters of Love in Wartime. And uh, I am a, a former journalist, and I think this really um, sort of became my destiny to find these letters when, in about uh, 12 years ago, I was rooting around in an antique store, and I found a plastic laundry basket in the basement of the antique store that said World War II ephemera on it. And I walked over, and it was filled with airmail envelopes and opened one up and it was between one young naval officer and his sweetheart at the time. His name was Donald, her name was Marjorie Story. And he was writing to her, you know, these love letters over the course of five to seven years as they were separated during the war. And uh, I reached in and I, I pulled one out and started reading and I just started crying. And, you know, just the way that he wrote to her was unbelievable at 20 years old and how much love and you know hope sacrifice everything that was uh, that was happening during their time while they were apart i knew i had to do something about it i set out to uh, find a family and this became my 12 year 11 12 year journey to put this book together i had never written a book before um done a lot of other writing but had never written a book before and um, decided I needed to do this to, you know, preserve their legacy and also to preserve the greatest generation. But, you know, there's a whole other story behind that, you know, as, as far as how I found the family, got their permission and, you know, was able to put this whole story of their whole un, unending, undying love affair, you know, oh, together. And I want to hear more about that. I know we're going to talk about research during all of this, but in the green room, we were just talking about how important this generation is and for you to capture these stories this way. So um, thank you for sharing as much as you have right now. And we'll get back to you in a moment. Patty, tell me more about, tell me about your book. Please tell me more. Oops, I'm not very good at this. Um, <laughs> I'll get by. Uh, I'll get by. Um, 
My book is about a woman who, like many middle-aged women, gets kind of left by her husband. And this is the catalyst for her to rethink her life and to decide she needs to make some serious changes. She calls herself a regret a regretaholic, that her whole life is full of regrets and she needs to go back and revisit uh, the strong women of her past and you know take some lessons from that and really turn her life around. I call my writing kind of fictionalized biography. I do take stories from my own family and put them in my writing. I kind of twist them up a bit, you know, only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. But my writing is about, you know, the sort of the mantra of forgive, forget, let go and move on that we all have a tendency to let the past, you know, get a grip on us and not be able to let that go and forgive people. Um, and uh, it's interesting because one little bit in there is about my parents meeting during World War II. So I really connect with Lisa's uh, story there. Fabulous. Now, Rebecca brings us back in time as well with a series of books. And while I love everybody's book covers, Rebecca, hold up your book covers. I just adore your book covers. <laughs> There's something about the feel of both of those. So, Rebecca, tell us about your book series. And if you want to focus on one of your books, tell us about that. Well, the new book that's launching is Madame Pomery, and it is about the creator of Brute Champagne. But a year ago, I did the Champagne Widows, and that is about Veuve Clicquot. I'm sure you've all seen this brand <laughs> that's in the restaurants and in the bars. And she was the woman in 1800, Veuve Clicquot, and Veuve means widow, um, that found out that there was a loophole to the fact that women could not own businesses. She discovered that if you're a widow, you could own a business because you had to support your family. So she, even though she had a few loves in her life, she remained a widow and she really started Champagne for Women. Well, it turns out that 50 years later, there was a woman, Madame Pomery, who knew Veuve Clicquot. And she was widowed at 40 years old. She had never done anything professional in her life, but she had to care for her two children. So she started to make champagne, which is extremely difficult to make. It's at least twice as difficult as wine to make, and it takes twice as long. So everyone poo-pooed her, and the men wouldn't help her at all, but she happened to have a friend, Veuve Clicquot, who would tell her a few secrets. So both of these women, strangely enough, had to fight illnesses of the day that were killing people. They had to fight pandemics. They had to fight wars, not fight in wars, but the men were fighting wars. And actually that gave them a great amount of freedom to do the things that they wanted to do. So that is a little bit about uh, the champagne widows and all the tribulations that they had to do to make this glorious drink 
Cheers. <laughs> Can you pass that through, Rebecca? Yes, there you go. <laughs> you, know, you can always count on Rebecca for champagne cocktails. <laughs> viewers with us, they love the covers of the books, and they're looking forward to hearing more and more from this panel. Lisa, you mentioned that you really hadn't written, but you have a lot of experience um, writing and producing Emmy nominations. Mm -hmm. uh, what what was it about finding that letter that propelled you to really write this book? Well, I I kind of liken it to the fact that I, uh, and not to age myself too much, but uh, I was in television for 20 years and in the nonprofit world for about 10. I was always writing about people's stories, whether it was, you know, anything having to do with you know, anything from ranging from domestic violence to people with uh, heart issues when I worked for the nonprofit, um, people with, you know, disabilities, all those types of things, but in some way or another, I was writing their stories. So this was just kind of an, an extension, I think, of writing about this particular couple's story, you know, through their letters. And uh, as I said, I, I believe earlier, it was just that I really felt that I was meant to find them and to, you know, find these lost love letters that I think probably would have been thrown out. Um, if I didn't find them and put them put them together. So I had no intention of ever writing a book in my life. Um, <laughs> I had written magazine articles, documentaries, all of these types of, of other things, but this was something that I felt I needed to do. Lisa, how many years of letters are there? There are approximately six years of letters. And they started when Donald was attending Annapolis at the Academy and they run all the way through the war to when he got out of the service. And he was on three different vessels during the service. So he talks about all, all of the vessels that he was on. But uh, not only that, having done a lot of research with the documentaries that I produced, I, I did a lot of research for this book to find out where was he when he was writing these letters because he couldn't tell her. So I had to find out uh, through ship's logs and discharge papers, other things that were in with the letters, with the package, the packet of letters that I found um, to kind of connect the dots and say, here's what, you know, here's what he was doing. Here's what he was fighting during the day. People were dying around him. And then he would go up at night and write her these amazing, beautiful love letters. And he couldn't tell her, you know, what was going on, but I was able to, to fill in those blanks and say what was going on. So it's a window into history. I'm not only providing it, he's providing some of it as well. Um, he talks about Mussolini and Hitler and the atomic bomb, um, all of these things that he is able to talk about. So it's all a, a connection of all of these various um, you know, part love, part history. And, and what and what a beautiful writer he is, where he talks about if he could only glide on a star. That's the part I was going to read. Oh, yeah. Just, if he yeah, could he, only find yeah. Patty, yeah. how much re tell us about the research, because part of your story <laughs> is family story. But tell us about some of the research you might have done for your book. And I want to uh, continue to welcome our listeners. Barbara Conray, USA Today bestseller, has joined us, and she thinks these stories sound fascinating. So, Patty, tell us a little bit about the research and tell us more about your book, I Get By. Am I saying it right, Patty? I'll, I'll, get, I'll get by. Actually, I'll Get By was my parents, uh, as I said, World War II era. That was their song, I'll Get By. Oh, and, so it, it, it's mentioned in the book. Um, I'm kind of a lazy writer. I have to say I don't do a lot of research. I mean, as I said, a lot of my stories are just based on, 
you know, things that have happened to me or stories that have been told. And, you know, sometimes I have to twist them up to make them kind of fit the characters in the story who are not really me or the people I know, but just similar. And this, uh, the main character in I'll Get By is an army brat and I was an army brat. So that's kind of starts her journey of sort of being a shy, lonely child. And luckily for me, I had a brother and sister to torment me as we moved around the world. But uh, Jane in I'll Get By doesn't. And her parents are very much in love. Sounds like your, uh, your characters or your real people. And so they're not abusive parents, but they're just not very tuned in to Jane. And she discovers um, libraries. Every post that they go to, she discovers the library and becomes a big reader. And that that that's sort of a personal story. You know, I would always find the post library wherever I went. But my, I do I do use ancestry for to fill in some other parts of my family past. Well, I think it's always as time as time goes by. Their song <laughs> as time goes by, so we have a connection there too. That's great. <laughs> I love making the connections and seeing them. Rebecca, in addition to drinking fine champagne, I know that you had to do a great deal of research for both of your books. Can you talk a little bit about how that research came about? Well, it isn't hard. <laughs> it's really yummy. No, somebody has to so do. I it. have I have um, traveled to the Champagne region of France six times, and last summer took a group of twenty six of us through all the different houses from the Champagne widows and other houses as well. And every time I learn something new, and I want to tell you a funny story. So I have been in contact with the historian of each one of these houses for years as I write these novels. And never once did they tell me that Madame Pomery had a long time affair with her, um, what was the apprentice in the beginning and ended up running the production and everything. And no one told me that, even though I wondered about it because he's there and mentioned through the entire history, everything that's happening Henry Vosnier is there. And then I took a tour through his incredible Belle Epoque home. And what should the historian there tell me but this story? And I was so upset because my book was written and he was, <laughs> he was only an assistant. And I had to go back and insert like, how did they fall in love? And why would this happen? Because he was 15 years her junior. And I loved I loved doing that actually because it made me understand um, you know why she did end up falling in love with him, and their love of art, which she Madame Pomery is a huge lover of art. And if you ever go to Champagne, there is one winery that I suggest you go to, and it's Pomery because it has an incredible art collection that changes all the time. So I I love my research because it's a lot of fun. Oh, fabulous. I also just want to mention, uh, since Susan Cole isn't able to uh, be with us, her book, Holding Fast, A Memoir of Sailing, Love and Lost, is her story of how she um, follows her husband and his dreams on various boats all around the world in some very treacherous places, raises her daughter on the boat. So um, traveling to very remote places, so maybe not to France, but to some 
very amazing places. And she earned two college degrees while she was out on the boat. So Susan Coles, wow. Holding Fast, a memoir of sailing, love, and loss. Um, uh, Marianne O'Shea Wernicke has uh, visited with us now. She says, each of your books sounds great. And Barbara Conroy says, Patty, your grandmother has some pretty interesting history. Is that true? Oh, it's very true. My grandmother could probably be a book of her own. And she does she does appear in my book um, as uh, the main character, Jane's grandmother, who she only meets when she's set. And my grandmother, you know, a very old distinguished family in Louisiana. She married the town bad boy, um, you know, much to the scandal of everybody. He was a bit of a gangster, and um, he also became a womanizer and a drunk and a wife beater. She finally divorced him, which was, of course, pretty much unheard of, and became a um, went to work, left town, and went to work for Charles of the Ritz. She was in her 40s, but her skin was she was so beautiful that they said to her, if uh, women see you, they'll, they'll, you know, think our product is amazing. And then she ended up marrying a man 25 years younger than she was. And they <laughs> stayed married until she passed away at the age of 89. Wow. A great love story. <laughs> I want to switch a little bit to one of the things that astonishes me every time I talk to authors is how our characters um, whether real or imagined um, or made from whole cloth in some cases <laughs> like Patty's. Um, what did your, let's start with you, Rebecca. What did your characters teach you? Well, I wanted to share something with Lisa and the group because, whoops, here's Champagne Widows <laughs> includes letters, Napoleon's letters to Josephine. And that was astounding. Here is one sentence. Adieu, woman, torment, joy, hope, and soul of my life, whom I love, who I fear, who inspires me in me, emotions as volcanic as thunder. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so many things love, came out of that little man. Yeah, so what <laughs> is cool is he's horrible. Like, he is killing all of France. He ends up killing, like, 10 million men in war and he so uh adores josephine <laughs> and that, that kind of leads to what you said like what you find out about these characters is astounding through research through your letters and through all your history patty yeah yeah it's that that adoration comes through in, in all of these letters so rebecca though what did your characters teach you as a person oh well that I need to get a better um, letter writer. <laughs> I need to write better love letters. <laughs> and what teach me as a person? You know, I take, um, I think all of us take something about ourselves. So I think it takes a huge amount of perseverance to be an author. I've now authored five books and it takes every day doing this thing that no one else in the world really cares that you're doing <laughs> and you do it anyway. And that's, it seems like all of my characters so far have been doing that. So I think I do it out of um, sisterhood. You know, I only write about women who existed, who did amazing things despite all the odds. 
Yeah. Oh, I love I love that, Lisa. You met these two incredible characters, and did you also meet their families? Yes, I I met Marjorie, who was is uh, on the cover of the book here when she's in her twenties. Um, but I met her when she was 93, I believe, and uh, I was able to track down the family and get their permission to write this book. And they had never read these letters. So this was the first time they were reading the letters. Um, I'll tell you, uh, there were so many stories over the course of this 11 years. And, and as you said, you, you really do have to have tenacity to, to get a book done because I could have put it down zillions of times. But um, I, I felt I had a duty to the family to do this. Um, Marjorie passed away in 2017. There were only eight of her letters that survived, but one of them was saying, uh, was telling Donald that she was pregnant with her first child. And um, she passed away. The family had a memorial service um, interment for her up on Cape Cod, which is where I found the letters. And I read the letter to the family telling Donald that she was pregnant. And um, of course, he never got that letter for about three months. He didn't know she was pregnant at the time. But so I'm telling you- by I, him? By, by him? That's by him, yeah, yeah. Okay. yes, that, that's it was good. his first child. Um, but now the, the child that she was writing about that she was pregnant with was 70 years old when I was reading this letter to the whole family, wow. grandparents, them, their, their children, great-grandchildren. I could barely get through it. And, you know, there were a lot of tears, um, but it, it just, you know, it, it made me feel so good to be able to, to bring these letters back to them because they didn't know these letters were lost. They, they got in there um, because uh, Donald passed away and they had an estate sale and they got in there to this antique store by accident. And, what a gift to all of us and uh, particularly to that family. Yeah. Patty, now your family, you changed the names, as you said. <laughs> but, um, what has been your family's reaction to um, your book? Well, most of the, the older people, obviously, uh, sadly, are no longer here. But uh, my brother and sister love my books. Um, and they always try and pick out, you know, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or, oh, you mix that up. And uh, in my first book, uh, Please Tell Me More, it's actually... Uh, the main character has a brother and a sister. And so my sister and I started calling ourselves by the the names of, of the two main characters. And my brother says, oh, what's, what's going to happen to me in the next book? And my kids are sometimes horrified when they read it. They're like, oh, my God, Mom, because they recognize things. And then they'll say, did that really happen to you? And I'm like, no, no, no. I made that up completely. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, most people, even friends of mine who've read the book say, Oh yeah, that yeah I remember that. So, uh, but I do I do try and switch it up a bit. I, I'm not one of those people who wants to out anybody in my books. Makes sense, Rebecca. Now you have done this amazing dive into these glorious women. Do they have descendants? And were you able to connect with any of them? They do have descendants, but I mostly went through the Champagne houses themselves and. Part of the, the reason that I did that is they have the history. They own the history and things have changed a lot. And they actually don't use the history very much when they go through the tours and everything, which is sad to me. So I had to really um, push. But one interesting thing about doing research is when 
um, different sources say different things. And probably you two have encountered that as well. So I had a, there was a general Franco, uh, Francis, sorry, that actually um, occupied Madame Pomery's house. And yet one source said it was a Prince, uh, what was it, uh, Hohenlohe. And the other, another source, and these are like the New York Times and, you know, people who are writing articles then said that it was my general Francis. And I wrote the historian and said, you know, you're saying that somebody else than all of my sources say. Never heard back from her. So you have to make a decision. And it, I had more, more research that said it was the general. So here she was trying to make champagne. And all of Germany had invaded France through the um, Franco-Russian War, Prussian War, and she had the headquarters right in her home. It was astounding. Such amazing stories. You know, we're uh, doing this during Women's History Month, and I'm so struck by each of uh, certainly each of you, but each of your stories as well. Um, two of you have written multiple books. Lisa, this is your first. Do you have another book behind it? <laughs> Are um, you calling yeah. bookstores? And <laughs> um, this this book took 11 years, so I don't think I can do another 11 year <laughs> project. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I always say never say never. I, I do have something possibly in my in my mind that I might want to do. Um, which won't be won't be nonfiction, but uh, you know this truly was a joy for me to do, and, and something that kind of expanded, you know, my the way that I thought about the, the way that I thought about what I could do, you know, and uh, and how much tenacity I I learned that I had to be able to put this together because I said before I could have put it down many times. There were so many roadblocks I had, you know, when you have an idea in your head when you're writing a novel, you have control, right? But I didn't have a lot of a whole lot of control over this. You know, I had to get permission. I had to do the research. I had to try to put things together. They weren't my ideas, you know. So there were a lot of times where I could have put it down, but I just I knew I needed to do it. And I really learned a lot about myself through the whole process. And one of the things I'm fascinated by is I'm not sure if I had come across a batch of letters that I would have thought I needed permission. What led you to think you needed that permission? Yeah, it was interesting. I just wanted to make sure, again, with my journalism background, so I, I called a copyright lawyer and I said, I have these letters and I, I want to do something with them. I want to share them with people and put them into a book. But he, he likened it to the fact that if I if I bought a Rembrandt, I couldn't make copies of the Rembrandt and sell copies of it. I still had to get permission from oh. the actual owner. So even though they were not, even though I technically now own the letters, I didn't have permission to reproduce them. And you can see that in the copyright of the book. It's it's just my writing that's copyrighted, not the letters. Um, so I had that's to. Get whole, the that's a whole fascinating part of our work as yeah. authors. Patty, what have you learned about yourself as part of the writing process as we <laughs> move towards I'm, the close of the show almost? Yeah, well, I I think I'm not as good at letting go of the past and forgiving people as I want my characters to be. But. Um, I think I've uh, I've I've learned well. I've learned I can write. You know, I always wanted to be a writer, and it wasn't until I retired at the age of sixty-three that I thought, oh, I I finally can write. 
And of course, I thought I was going to write something and, you know, Oprah would be knocking my door, the New York Times bestseller list. You know, that was an eye opener. It's not as easy as we think it's going to be. And uh, but I've really enjoyed it. And I've I've enjoyed all the people that I've met through this. I've made so many great friends. It is a journey. Rebecca, you're on book five. Is there a book six? Yes, I'm actually writing. I want to go back to Lisa and say the first book that I wrote took at least 10 years to write. And it was not the first one I published. You know, Mm -hmm. so it gets easier. The first one, you're teaching yourself how to write and what you have to do. And it was a historical novel. And I'm just now, it was called Gold Digger the remarkable baby doe Tabor. And I'm just now writing the sequel to that, which I have written entirely years ago and hated. And now I'm going to tackle it again because some stories like you, both of yours, um, you just can't let go somehow. It keeps saying, yeah. you've got to, you've got to tell this story and too bad that you think it's too hard to tell. Go ahead, do it. It's amazing how sometimes we beat, beat we beat ourselves up, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I, I really, you know, I have so much awe for other people who have, I've met so many other authors, so much awe for them, you know, for being able to, to do this and, and accomplish this. Cause it's a huge accomplishment to be able to do this. And, and, you know, we should applaud ourselves too (laughs) for doing it. You you Um, know, one of the things uh, Rebecca always uh, talks about with her women is that they are glorious women. And each of you are glorious authors. We are just about to close out our episode. I want again, um, thank Susan Cole for her interest in uh, the storytellers with her memoir, Holding Fast, the memoir of Sailing Love and Lost. Patty, hold up your book. Um, You have both Please Tell Me More and I'll Get By. Uh, Rebecca Rosenberg with your beautiful cover Everybody has beautiful covers, but I'm particularly drawn to Rebecca's because I like champagne. Um, (laughs) And Lisa uh, Franco with your beautiful, beautifully written letters and book, My Dearest Darling, Letters of Love in Wartime. Uh, Just quickly tell everybody where they can find their book, find your books. Patty. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. If you have a local bookstore, they can order it for you. Same thing with me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Same thing with me, mydearestdarlingbook.com. Well, thank you all of you for being with us in the audience. Thank you for being with me here today. Uh, Susan Cole, Lisa Franco, Patty Procopi, and Rebecca Rosenberg. This has been a copyrighted episode of Launchpad. I hope you fell in love with your next book, (laughs) fell in love with your next author, and have a great day here on the Launchpad. Thank you. This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.